Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. Now, I'm going to do something a little different this week before I actually introduce the guest and the show. Um, I want to give a shout out to John Royer. You probably know him better as Outdoor Dynamics. Well aware of the fact that I didn't get a uh, media badge for Carry Optics National, so he actually went out of his way to make me a media badge for the North Carolina section. Um, and on the back side, it's, uh, it's as medic. So he has media on one side, medic on the other. So shout out to John Royer. I appreciate it. I tip my hat to you, sir. Now, this week's episode features a limited GM with Masterpiece Arms Shooting Team and is trying to accomplish something that I'm aware of only one other person doing, and that is winning all area matches in one division in one shooting season. He's almost there. He only has three more to go. So with that, join me in welcoming Joey Sauerland to the show. Good evening, Joey. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I hate to uh, break the podcast with some bad news, but uh, Area 3 was last weekend, and I did come in second place, limited division. So the All-Aid is that. I'm not done changing the scores yet, so we're good. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's okay. You're still doing good. So Thank you. Thank you. There's there's more years. There's more years. It's only my, only my second real year competing, so there'll be more opportunities. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about because that's that's very very impressive. Well, thank you. It's uh, Steve Anderson has been my coach since I first 
since I first started training for USPSA. I went basically directly to him and he's been my, he's been basically my only coach throughout the process. Okay. So it, is there anything else I got wrong on the intro or do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, no, that's it right there. Uh, limited division. That's the only division I've ever really competed in. Um, I think maybe I'll branch out one day in the future, but not any time in the foreseeable future. I'll stick with what I'm doing well in. Um, yeah, Masterpiece Arms shooting team. That team's been amazing. Guns are really incredible. Um, and they they've got really great people there too. You know, it's a it's a group you want to be a part of. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's about all the introduction I have. Okay, well that works. Um, yeah, there seems to be quite a few of on a few of you on that team. Uh, we got a, we got a good handful. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a core group that are very much into competing at the moment, you know, shooting a lot of matches, traveling around a lot. Um, and then some others who aren't quite as active on the team, but, uh, you know, how it is, like you said, different, different lifestyles, varying commitment levels. Absolutely. All right. So Joey, what I like to do is, um, start with some icebreaker questions. They're usually the harder questions of the show. So we're going to start there. And the first one is, what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Well, John Wick, obviously. That's an easy one. Uh, all of them or a particular one? I think I think everybody knows that the first one is a classic. The second is probably the best. Third one's almost as good as the second. And then uh, the fourth one was a different different animal, different kind of movie. It was. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that it would. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was too, there wasn't enough storyline and just too much falling downstairs. Yeah, there was, you know, they, they, it seems to go that way in movie series. You know, the first movie's great. Second movie builds on it. And then around the third, fourth, especially the fifth movie, I feel like they kind of, they always have to one up the previous movie. And so usually that ends up being, you know, just kind of more, more crazy ideas, more CGI, just more over the top. And it's still a great movie. I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again yeah. right now. On my next airplane flight, I'll probably watch it for a fifth time. But yeah, second, second one's probably the best. Yeah, I would agree. I think the first one was like, it got everybody's attention. And the second one like sucked you in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not throwing shade on the on the fourth movie. Right. I just I just felt it could have been better had they added a little bit more storyline to it, do a little bit more. Um, now there's talk of he's going to be in a five. So it'll be. Well, yeah, I, I knew that five had already been written and paid for before four was released. Mm. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, no, this is breaking news. Fine. Yeah. OK. But you have insider trading information? I, just, I forget where I heard that. I probably just read it on the internet or heard it somewhere. So it could be complete BS. But Right. But we're going to accept it as fact, damn it. Perfect. Perfect. That's <laughs> not you do. Now, now, there is one movie series that I think has stayed consistent, very good from beginning until end, and that is Mission Impossible. Now, I've never seen any of those, sadly. Oh, those are... It's amazing. That series has been going on for 25 years and every single one of them, they have their own storyline, but they're all very good. I just saw the first half of the last one. It was three hours long. 
a month or two ago, but it was the first two hours. I was like, man, how long have we sat here? And I clicked on my watch and it, it was two hours in. I was like, holy cow, that went fast. Very, very good series. I can highly recommend it to you if you get bored on your one of your flights. Yeah, I think I've seen them on there too. They're, they're available on Delta. Okay. All right. I have found that most people don't read much anymore, uh, but your favorite book. Now that's a good face to make. Uh, okay, so I'm going to change my answer to the first question because my favorite book is All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of those movies. There was one made in like 1930 something, and I'm sure it was good, you know, production quality and acting for a 1930s movie, but that was, you know, that was a century ago. And then there's one from the night, like 1980, and then there's one that just came out a couple months ago. It's on Netflix, um, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a German movie, so it's dubbed over in English. Um, I speak German, so I've, I watched it in both languages several times. Uh, but that's my favorite book, All Quiet on the Western Front, and probably actually also one of my favorite movies. Okay. The movie, the movie strays from the book a little bit, and it makes it, I mean, honestly, if I'm just going to describe it, it just makes it a little bit more movie-esque, you know? It's a little bit more, you know, it seems like they turned it into a movie from a book. Right. Yeah. Okay. Little, yeah. A little, little more, I don't know, a little more, kind of like the John Wick. Just a, just a little bit more drama, a little more over the top, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely saving Private Ryan level of, you know, kind of... Oh raw and historical war movie i think better better i think okay now you, are you saying you think all quiet on the rest western front german edition is better than saving private ryan yeah i think so yeah okay wow that's very very strong well i'll tell you why i'll tell you why I've I've not I've never served in the military or been in combat, um, but when I watch Saving Private Ryan, I think I think man that's badass. I want to go do that. Let's let's go do that. Let's go sign up. Right? If I like if I watch when I watch Braveheart, I'm like give me a sword, give me a kilt. Let's go do it. Okay. I'm, I'm Recruiting ready. movies. Okay, I got it. When I watch All Quiet on the Western Front, I think man, it's really awful that people let that happen to each other really terrible. Oh, and wow. so I think knowing the people I know who've been in the armed services and seen combat, I think it's probably the closest movie you can get to a war experience based on how I felt after the fact. Okay. Well, you heard it first here. Go see all quiet on the Western yeah. front German edition. So Netflix, in you can watch it in English. You can, if you, if you click on, it on Netflix, it'll probably automatically be in English, but well, that's no fun. You can I mean, ich bin Einer Berliner, right? Yeah. You can watch it both ways. Watch <laughs> All right. Cool. If you're into superheroes, who's your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure? Um, same answer to both questions. Travis Tomasi. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. Somebody yeah. just said Nils on here, so I like it that you say Travis. Yeah. Uh, someone else already picked a shooter for that question? It, it was uh, Tyler Meisenheimer. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> he said uh, Batman growing up, and I said, "You said growing up, you're an adult now." He goes, oh, "I still like Batman." He goes, "But now Nils is my suit, my favorite, my superhero." 
So yeah, Nils is a Nils is a king. He's a force to be reckoned with. That's for sure. All right. So why Travis? What is it about Travis? Well, I'll tell you what. Obviously, he's a legendary shooter, right? World champion, national sure. champion. I think he's got over fifty area area wins in his career. Um, but also, just all around a great guy. You never you never met a nicer person, a better person. Favorite gun and caliber, but they don't have to be married together. It could be a 1911 and nine millimeter is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Well, you know, if I'm being honest, I haven't really shot that many guns. Um, I can probably list on one, I can list on one hand, every handgun I've ever shot more than 50 rounds out of. Yeah. Uh, Rifles? um, Yeah. I mean, I've, I've shot rifles. Some I shot, I, when I, when I first, very first started shooting three years ago and I was just kind of shooting matches here and there, you know, I'd shoot an IDPA match one weekend. And then the next month I'd shoot a three gun match, just kind of getting into it and experiencing the shooting sports. I had just a, a Ruger AR pistol. I think it was like 550 bucks. Uh, and I bought it because I didn't own an AR and I needed one for three gun. And so that's probably the rifle I have most rounds through. I also own a Ruger Mini 14. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, both of those guns put together, probably, probably less than 2,000 rounds through them. And then okay. for handguns, I think I owned... I can't remember. Let me walk it backwards. Let me walk backwards. So my favorite handgun, the, by far the highest quality, highest performing, most aesthetic, um, most valuable in terms of its, you know, quality and performance abilities, but also its, uh, yeah, I mean, its value is uh, my Masterpiece Arms guns, uh, which I have, I have two that are identical. They're the, the Travis Tomasi Double Stack 40. Um, so those are 2011s, 40 caliber 2011s made by Masterpiece Arms. And those are super nice. Before Masterpiece, I was shooting a CZ Tactical Sport Orange, which is a great gun. It's a fine gun. Um, but the 2011, the 2011 platform is definitely a little bit, a little bit higher, a little bit higher level competition in what it's a little bit higher level platform in what it's capable of. And then uh, before that, I was shooting a Glock 35. And before that, I was shooting a Glock 34. And uh, before that, I was shooting a Polymer 80 Glock 17 that I drilled out myself. Okay. So and that's a home, homemade pistol. And okay. that's what I started with in USPSA. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Now, you keep bringing up Travis. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead for just a moment. Have you taken any classes with Travis? I have not. I would really like to. I would really like to. Yeah. All right, Travis, you need to send him an invite. Yeah. I was just emailing him this morning about some other stuff. We're obviously on the same team, so we're in touch all the time. Uh, But yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, there's no time like the present. Dude, I hear you, brother. I'm with you. (laughs) That would be a fun class to take. Yeah. For sure. I bet I can. He's really busy. He's got a full schedule, but I bet I can. In my position, you know, being on the team, I could probably pull some yeah. strings, maybe get a private lesson with him. Yeah, even if it's just one day somewhere, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Well, what he doesn't know is that I would still pay full price. He does now, unless I edit this out. True. <laughs> All right. The fifth question I usually ask is um, one that is more personal to the guest. Yours is the ladies have been emailing me all week. They want to know when you're going to start your own OnlyFans subscription page like Jay Beal. So are you talking about the one that he has on Instagram where you can like, you know, I, I, I can't go there. My wife would ask too many questions. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I mean, that's two different things. See, Jay Beagle <laughs> has subscriptions on Instagram where you can like learn from his training. And that sounds like a good idea. That sounds profitable. But the yeah, only sure thing does. a different ball game. <laughs> it's still profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? It's a capitalist country. You know what? $20 is $20, they say. That's right. It doesn't matter. I mean, when it comes into your bank account, it just says $20. Yeah, that's all it says. It doesn't say anything. There's no memo with it. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Is it Joey, did you did you grow up hunting, shooting, anything like that? No, I mean, we had a, I got a 22 Henry rifle and um, maybe another, some other tube-fed 22. And uh, well, we'd like maybe shoot those if we like went camping. We'd take that out and like I don't know, shoot some paper plates or a soda bottle with it or something. Blink. Yeah, never, never been hunting myself. Um, although, as I get older, I see it much more of the the practical thing that it actually is. You know, whereas, uh, you know, not not for sport or recreation. That's what USPSA is for. But, uh, you know, now I'm out here buying my groceries every week and I'm trying to buy enough protein. You know, it seems, seems pretty practical with how there's, you know, there's half a dozen deer in my backyard every morning. It just seems pretty, seems pretty simple that I would start hunting so I can just quit buying all the meat at the grocery store. You just need to learn how to use a rope and lasso those suckers. Evidently. Yeah. I mean, they're right. I mean, I got to like push them out of the way. got to push them out of the way of my car. There, there you go. You see, you didn't grow up shooting and hunting, that type of thing. How how did you get into shooting then? Well, so I didn't definitely didn't grow up hunting, still never been hunting. Um and it's not it's not that I didn't grow up shooting. You know, like my dad taught me on like a like a BB gun and like an air like a pellet rifle when I was little how to shoot. Um and then kind of just like, I mean, really for the longest time until I started shooting USPSA a couple of years ago, it really was just whenever we would go camping, we would take guns out with us and just shoot for fun. And it wasn't until one time more recently, maybe like four, four to five years ago, um, my cousin, my, my main boy, Michael Norman, who most people who know me know him. Uh, we and our buddy Harrison went out in the woods, uh, to go camping and we took some guns with us to go shooting and we had some clay pigeons and basically we were shooting stuff and we're like, you know what, this is kind of boring. What if we made it a competition? And we ended up, you know, just like kind of just making up some shooting games. We ended up basically running a timer. We didn't, we didn't own a shot timer at this time. You know, we were using a, an iPhone with the, the stopwatch on an iPhone. And basically, we'd set up an array of, you know, clay pigeons or something that required, you know, moving somewhere to be able to shoot all of them. And um, we would time it and see who could shoot them all the fastest. And in retrospect, 
that's ironic because it was sometime a year after that where Michael said to me, he's like, hey, there's this thing shooting. It's a match. You shoot. We should just go and try it out. And we went and tried it out. And obviously, you know, I, I can't remember if our first match was IDPA or USPSA because I didn't, I didn't know the difference at the time. Um, yeah, so there's a deer right outside my window right now. I'm looking at three of them. So you, uh, you just need some rope. Yeah. Now they're looking at me right now. Go out there and wrestle them. Yeah. Um, but we went out and shot our first match. Can't remember what it was. And we were like, ah, yes, this is, this is the epitome of what we were trying to accomplish by having fun doing competitive shooting out in the woods at clay pigeons. And uh, that's how we started. So what were you, did, was that just with rifle or were you doing that with, with pistol? When we were going out camping, shooting? Well, with the clay pigeons and, and all of that. Oh, um, we probably shot some with a rifle at some point. I mean, we were just, you know, I mean, you got a picture of three. Can't remember how old they were. I could do the math, but it's too hard. Um, you got to measure three, you know, college, early college age guys. And we're just, we're just out here thinking like, how can we make shooting these targets more fun? You know, we're out here with guns. We got targets. How do we make it more fun? And uh, so we were just kind of dicking around. I don't think we even owned any shotguns at that time. Who who said hold my beer first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <We're, laughs> that's my thing. We weren't even drinking at that age. <laughs> now, is this the same Michael Norman that's on the uh, action brass shooting team? Yes. Yeah. Same okay. guy. Same guy. Yeah. High high master class, low grandmaster level shooter. Great guy. Okay. Great guy. So when you, so how did, how did you actually find the sport again now of USPSA? Who, I, who was I, it that was? I forget how Michael found, but it was Michael. It was Michael okay. who one day was, I think I was at his house and he was just, he just said, Hey, there's a, there's a thing. And yeah, I can't even remember what he said, but I mean, basically he said, Hey, there's some thing where you go and you shoot stuff and it's a competition and it sounds cool and we should do that. And we did. Okay. Now, was that with your Polymer 80 build? I think the first match we ever shot, we showed up both with CZP07s. Okay. Which we had bought just because, I mean, I think we went to Bud's Gun Shop in Lexington, Kentucky and looked at handguns and we were like, which one looks like a legitimate handgun to own, you know? Because I think he had he had some 22 that belonged to his dad. Obviously that wasn't going to work. And I don't think I owned any handguns at the time. And so I think we went to the gun store and we're like, which one of these looks like a regular, you know, pretty standard issue handgun, you know? And in retrospect, if I had been the gun store guy, I would have said, well, I mean, if, if you want to try out competition shooting with a low investment, high quality gun, you should just buy a, a Glock, you know? But we bought the CZs. And then so a couple months after that, we made some polymer eighties, partially because we thought it would be cool you know, to make your own. And then we moved to Glocks and then we moved to actual competition CZs. He went to carry optics and got a shadow too. And I went to limited and got a tactical sport orange and uh, he's still shooting the shadow. I'm shooting masterpiece. Okay. Now. What division did you start in? Uh, open. Like open. Well, okay. we showed up. Well, we showed up because we thought, you know, because we didn't know anything about the sport. So we were over here thinking like, all right, you know what? You know what the hardest part of this sport is? It's uh, shooting all alphas really fast. That's the hardest part by far. 
And it'd be really easy if this gun had no recoil. And so we would just bought, you know, we bought slides and barrels for our polymer 80 Glocks that had ported barrels. So we're over here with lowers that we drilled out ourselves and slides, ported slides with ported barrels in them. And, you know, someone else would say like, hey, you can't shoot that. It's going to bump you to open division. And we would say, okay, I don't know what that means. Can I still shoot? Okay, fine. And uh, so, yeah, that's when we started with the Polymer 80 Glocks, we were in open. And then once we learned that there were divisions and it mattered what kind of gun you had, then we both went to Glock 34s with optics and both shot carry optics. I think I shot carry optics for maybe like a month or two. And then Michael stayed in carry optics and I switched to, I switched back to a limited gun. So what did you, what was your first classification? I'm pretty sure it was B class in open division with a polymer 80 Glock, my first classification level. Were you same in limited when you started there then? Um, I don't know. I can't, can't, can't really remember. Cause I mean, at the, at the beginning, okay. at the beginning there, we were really, I mean, bouncing around between guns. Didn't really know mm. what from what, uh, right. And that was that was basically the that was basically the whole first year of us shooting, and we were and we were we were bouncing around between divisions in USPSA, but we were also bouncing back and forth between three gun IDPA USPSA, and uh, I think I shot one steel challenge match in there somewhere as well. But we were shooting you know one maybe two matches a month of different stuff for the first year, just messing around, and we didn't we didn't know anything. Now, are you exclusively USPSA now, or do you shoot other stuff still? Uh, now exclusively USPSA, yeah. Out of out of loyalty to John Wick, I would like to shoot some three gun more, um, but we just don't. We just don't make the time for it. You know, if there's a free weekend, we'll fit in more USPSA stuff. Is there a goal you want to accomplish before? that would then allow you to shoot other things more. We are like, okay, I accomplished what I was trying to do. Now I'm going to shoot more three gun. Um, not in the foreseeable future. No. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably keep shooting limited division for, uh, for the foreseeable future, unless I, until I hit some, you know, massive accomplishment milestone, or if I somehow get tired of it and need to diversify to stay interested but that's not that's not on the horizon anywhere. Okay. What was it about 2020 then you found the sport? Yeah, 2020. I remember because it was the week that the shutdown started in March was the week mm. that I first ordered my Dillon XL750, my first reloading press. And so you were prepping to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to have all this free time. I might as well learn how to do something cool. So I actually started reloading before I ever shot a match. And then I prided myself on actually to this day, I've never shot factory ammo at a match, which I mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter that much, but at, at the start, that was a big deal. You know, in our first year of shooting, I was like, Hey dude, this is really cool. Like we just found this new shooting sport and I've only ever used my reloads pistol pistol that is i didn't, didn't reload any rifle or shotgun okay uh but yeah i bought that reloading press and i don't know a month or two into having it 
that makes a lot of sense, yeah, because March, April, May, June, I think our first match ever was in July. I think it was 4th of July weekend because dudes were wearing, like, America hats and flags and garlands and stuff at Bluegrass Sportsman League in Kentucky. So, yeah, around March, bought my loading press. July of 2020, started shooting. And for that for that year, it was kind of just just dipping around. Three-gun match this month, IDPA match the next month. Now, you started in carry optics, so that would be 9 mil. Then you moved to limited, that's 40. I shot I shot limited minor for a, a while before I went to major. Mm. Yeah, okay. I had I had that Glock 34 that I was shooting in carry optics, and I just took the optic off and, and put a magwell on it and kept shooting it in limited. And then at some point, I decided that I wasn't going to buy a new gun to try and make myself better. I thought, you know, once I feel like my skill level merits the major power factor, then I'll buy the gun. So at some point, I upgraded to a 35, Glock 35. Okay. So... Is that when you switched over? I assume that's when you started then loading 40? Yeah. Okay. So you, you loaded 9, now you're loading 40. Is that all you load exclusively now? Um, that's all I loaded for about the past year. And then recently, I quit loading altogether. I don't load ammo anymore. I get all of my ammo from John Royers at Outdoor Dynamics. Okay. Yeah, all, all my competition and my practice ammo I get from him. Okay. All right, not too shabby. Yeah, he makes good stuff. Never never had a single issue. So how did you find Masterpiece Arms then? Uh, last year, uh, Nationals. Um, that was my first Nationals I'd ever been to. And they had a booth set up. And I'm, I met Phil there. And I met Travis there, and uh, yeah, out, they had a really cool setup where you could go test fire their guns with outdoor dynamics ammo in the warm-up bay. And so I went and shot their limited gun, and I liked it a lot. And so I got Phil's information, I got his card, and then they I reached out about being on the team, which was ambitious at the time. It was very ambitious because I was, I think I was master class at the time and yeah and you know I'd, I'd been shooting uspsa dedicatedly for about a year and i walked up and i was like hey can i be on your shooting team which in retrospect seems kind of kind of silly you know why would they take me on the team but what they did was they gave me a small discount on a used gun. One of the actually it was the, the demo gun that they let me shoot there at nationals. They, you know, cause it was used. So they sold it to me at a small discount and put me on kind of a, you know, prospective shooter list, you know, Hey, you shoot our gun for a little while and we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. And it played out. Apparently so. Yeah. Now, now from the time you became B class in open, how long did it take you to become GM and limited? Well, I, that's tough. I might have to look at my, I don't know if the USPSA page will give me that information, but <clears throat> I wasn't classified in anything probably until, I mean, either the end of 2020 
or early 2021. Okay. And I've only, I've been GM since earlier this summer. Okay. So if we just say early 2021, April, early 2023, so two years. Now, did you, did you reach GM based on match performance? Uh, it was a contributor. I had, I think I had, when I made GM, I think I had an area. F- I don't know if I still had an area five from 2022 in there, but I think I did have an area two from 2022 in there okay. and then, and then some classifiers. Okay. So a yeah. combination. Yeah. All right. Now, when at what point in here because you said steve anderson has Mm -hmm. been your mentor slash coach the whole time um at what point did you take a class from him i'm assuming you did that was early on i think i just saw it in the memories on my phone when we first went to train with him was maybe two around two years ago summertime summer two years ago so it, everything seems to really started to happen in 2021. Yeah. You you yeah. kind of settled into a division. You got serious about it. You took a Steve Anderson class. Um, yeah. That's okay. weird. It's weird. The, the questions you're asking are making me overlap all these events that I haven't thought about for a while. Because I remember the first time we trained with Steve Anderson, I still had my Glock 34. And I had brought with me a Glock 35 that I had recently purchased, mm. but I wasn't shooting it. And I remember taking it out and saying, yeah, Steve, you know, I've been thinking about switching to the Glock 35 and shooting major. And we kind of talked about it a little bit, but that would make sense. And sometime a little bit later in probably late summer, late summer of 2021 switched to the 35. So shooting major. Okay. <clears throat> I- now, have you just taken the one class? What classes have you taken with Steve? Uh, three total. So we trained with him privately, we being me and Michael. We've trained with him privately at his home range twice. Okay. And then we also kind of facilitated the hosting of him at Bluegrass Sportsman League in Kentucky. And we also participated in that class. So two, two private lessons at his home range and one group class at a range. Any mental management in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've taken mental management twice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, well worth it. Well worth it. Um, there's, uh, yeah, you keep, you keep learning. That's a, that's a, that's, that juice is really worth the squeeze. I'll tell you of all, of all the juice, that juice is worth the squeeze. Um, I keep learning from it. Ever since the first time I took it, and then after the second time I took it, I keep learning from it. So recently at, it was Area 1, and I don't really have the, I can't really, I, it'd be too much words to go into depth and really explain everything. But basically, um, you know, when I'm out there shooting a match, especially a big match, like a level 3 match, you know, I'm, I'm running my mental program, having the right thoughts at the right times doing things consistently. And on the fur towards the end of the first day, I 
I shot a mic on a stage and you know how that can be, right? You know, for the average person, mm-hmm. you shoot a mic, you're like, ah, oh, dang it. And you get all upset. And sometimes that can throw the rest of your, of your day off or at least the rest of, you know, so the rest of the match or at least the rest of the day. And then on the next stage, I shot two mics on a stage. And this was like a 12 round stage. The furthest target was maybe eight or nine yards away. I shot two mics on that stage. And then I was like, whoa, I was like, I'm messed up. And I had to call Steve and I thought, this is in between days, in between the first and the second day. I called Steve and I thought that he was going to give me some, you know, new wise sage advice about how to save the match. And maybe there'd be some numbers and hit factor math involved. And he just repeated stuff from the mental management program that I hadn't learned how to apply to a situation yet. Um, but then I did and uh, shot really great, shot really great the second day. So uh, there's just so... Even though I've even though I've taken it twice, I'm still learning from it as time goes on at matches in my shooting. Well, I mean, I've taken it as well, and it's a lot of information to digest. It's so, just a lot. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing because I, I just do you know who Brian Zins is? I know the name for sure. Yeah. Okay. So he was on Top Shot, the show Top Shot. Mm-hmm. but he's also a 12 time NRA bullseye national champion. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's like the goat of old school pistol shooting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first person to win seven national titles and he finished with 12. So he doubled the next closest guy to him, but it was interesting because towards the end of our conversation, Um, I was asking him about mental management. He goes, you know, I started to teach it and then I just stopped. And he explained that, and I'm leading into some of what Steve is saying here. He said, for me, it's all about just focusing and staying in the process. Yeah. And and I was like, there it is summed up, you know, one, one sentence, two sentences. Now you can go and learn a process, but the whole point is that you know, I feel like that's one of the biggest things. Steve builds up to it, gives you all the the foundation for it, and then gives you the process. Now it's up to you to be able to stay in it. So what I'm hearing is you're still learning your process and staying within those lines yeah. of that process. Yeah, exactly. And that, that pretty much is it summed up, you know. Um, process is one word. Uh, process to me implies a little bit more, you know, like mechanical, like what's my process? Well, my process is to, you know, have my mags already loaded and, you know, get a chance to walk the stage in advance, get a subconscious stage plan, do enough mental reps of it, focus on calling my shots. You know, that's, that's the process. Uh, but the program is the mental management part. And that's, that's how, that's how Steve refers to the, the mental management program. So the process is what I'm doing outside physically the program is the computer program you know that's making the robot do what it do the program is my is the mental program that makes it do yeah and and he separated the two and called the mental part the process because to him the grip and the trigger finger was automatic like that wasn't even a thing you know what i mean like so for him it was just a matter of doing everything mentally being properly focused and doing everything right. And he said, if anything interfered with that, he said, you got to abort the shot, you know, stop, do what you got to do, 
get refocused. If you're not focused, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. So that mental management programming focus is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. big. So are you finding that it's because this type of shooting is different than his type of shooting? Okay. Um, are you finding on days like area matches and nationals are completely different? If you ask me, one is a sprint and one is a marathon. Um, the area matches being more of a sprint. Are you finding it easy to stay focused and in your mental program for the whole match? Uh, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've only ever shot one nationals and I've only ever shot five, six, eight area matches ever. So, you know, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of learning, especially when it comes to nationals. I mean, I've shot the lowest number of nationals you can possibly shoot without it being zero. I've shot one. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. I'm starting, I'm starting to get the idea of area matches where it's, you know, it's either one or two days of shooting. Uh, yeah. And, and there are some that are offering that half day format. Yeah. It's definitely very different on the second day, but I like it. You know, the first day you're kind of out there and you know, you're not shooting yet and you're thinking I've got to shoot right. But when once, by the time you're on the second day, you're like, man, I'm out here shooting already. This is what I do. So I find the second day is much more easygoing. Okay. And, and if you looked at, did you follow carry optics nationals at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like almost everybody, very few people didn't have a bad first day. It seemed like most people had a bad first day and then everybody kind of regrouped and, and mm -hmm. things went from there. That first day does seem to make a difference. Now, yeah. Before you, you mentioned that you had gone to Steve's personal range up in Ohio twice mm -hmm. and you've had, and you hosted him once. Mm -hmm. What did your training look like leading up to, um, we'll say tw all of 2021 and 2022. What did that training look like? How much dry fire, live fire, that type of thing? Um, 2020 and most of 2021 or at least half of 2021 wasn't really doing much dry fire at all after training with steve the first time i definitely started dry firing i can't really I'm trying to remember i've moved a couple times too so i'm like putting myself in different places mm, okay yeah, I started dry firing pretty consistently in 2021. And then through 2022 into this year, um, been dry firing at a pretty, pretty aggressive volume very consistently. Okay. Now, once, uh, now let's move into this year. You shot nationals last year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Shooting nationals, did that alter? your thought process on training when you finish that match? Um, no, uh, I just, I just left knowing that I needed to train more to get better. Anything in particular or just across the board? 
No, I mean it was it was very. I was I was you know I'm, I I shot well, and I was able to do. Yeah, I mean I was able I was able to shoot very well. You know I noticed that I made it through an entire nationals, my first nationals ever, and they didn't put up a single target that I couldn't hit with relative ease. You know, you know the the furthest most difficult target is something I can shoot pretty easily, and so then. It was basically, can you do that, you know, consistently and faster than everybody else? And that just takes, you got to make, as Steve Anderson would say, you got to make it normal, right? So I can't simply just, you can't just show up to a match and just go faster, right? That doesn't work. Right. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh, so it's pretty obvious that I'm just going to have to be able to get these sight pictures on targets and get the gun to the next place it needs to be to get the next sight picture sooner. I'll start driving. Right. Okay. Have you had, uh, I know you haven't taken a class with Travis, uh, but being on the same team and you guys, you make it sound like you guys do communicate. Have you ever had the opportunity to pick his brain at all? Um, here and there over email, I'll send him a question or two, but not, not in any real significant way. No, he's, uh, he's pretty, he's pretty booked up and busy. So we, we were, we've been talking about finding time to do like a range day together. Um, and also like to go work out together, but hasn't happened yet. How, how close are you guys in proximity? Not I'm in Cincinnati and he's in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. That's definitely not close. I'll fly down there though. I don't care. Or Huntsville. I think he's in Huntsville. That could be wrong. could be somewhere else. He's in Alabama somewhere for sure. Okay. So there's a couple of states in between you. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely not close. Mm -hmm. So it didn't sound like then that there was anything when you finished nationals last year, there wasn't anything you walked away from going, Oh boy, I was weak in this area. I need to, I need to fix that going forward. Um, not particularly. No, I'm trying to recall. And, and that, uh, that excludes speed because we all know that that's that that's an right. ongoing process. You know? Right, you can always be faster. Yeah, exactly. no, um, I, I shot extremely well, and I think what I realized was at my best. You know, like the times when I shot my best, I was shooting really good. You know, the best parts of the best stages that I shot, and I realized all I need is for all of my shooting to be my best, which just means more consistency, which just means more practice you know the more the more draws you do the more consistent your draw is going to be right if you've done 10 draws and you take a sample of five draws they're going to be very different if you've done a million draws and you take a sample of 10 draws they're probably gonna be almost identical so i just realized that it's just going to take more time and more volume to get consistent enough to make my best shooting my normal shooting so do you do a lot of live fire then not much, no. I, I recently started doing some more because um, I felt that I've gotten to a point where there's significant, not significant in terms of how much progress, but there's meaningful progress to be made. You know, when I was a year ago, you know, I was just you know, getting a good sight picture on a target quickly was something that I was, you know, working on. And so you know, managing the recoil wasn't as important as just choosing to get a good sight picture, you know, on the second shot on a target.
you can kind of just make that choice, you know, to get a good second sight picture on a target, especially with iron sights, right? Um, that's just kind of a choice you can make at a match. Okay, I'm going to call my shots. I'm going to be able to tell you where these bullets go, not just the first one on each target, but the second one too. Um, and so it wasn't until earlier this season, um, once I made, once I made Grandmaster, I decided that if, you know, it's, it's probably going to be necessary for me to start doing some live fire training on some kind of regular basis to maximize my potential. Now, have you always been competitive? Um, not particularly, no. I did some sports in high school, but I wasn't particularly uh, devoted to them or passionate about them. Just kind of being on the team, you know, just kind of doing a high school sport. Right. So what, what's different with this? Um, I don't know. One, it's cool, obviously. It's definitely the coolest, you know, tracking track and field, you know, guys over here doing shot put and, you know, winning is winning. Winning feels good. You get handed a trophy and you get somebody with authority saying, guess what? You're better than everybody else. That feels great. doesn't matter what the sport is. Um, but, you know, a guy over here in a tank top throwing a ball, you know, 30 feet. It's like, great. Your mom is here clapping because she's your mom, right? But USPSA... <laughs> <laughs> USPSA is cool, man. I just shot all these targets faster and more accurate than you, you know, while running around and moving with this sweet looking gun. That's cool. I That's can only cool. see that. I can only imagine the comments now on YouTube from all the track and field folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, how it's it not is. a ball. You know, you know how it is. You know how it is. Uh, yeah, I do. I know. Or at least for me, I'm, I know there are people who got serious about a sport and got competitive in a sport and took it very seriously at a younger age than I did and, you know, made it, made it part of their lifestyle, right? And grew, grew and learned from, you know, having something that they were passionate about working at and a big part of their life and, you know, self-improvement. And got all that out of it. But I never got any of that out of it. I was just on the team, you know, hanging out with my friends. Um, it was a social thing for you, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I wasn't, I wasn't there for the social aspect. But yeah, I mean, you, you can't, no, you can't but, do it. You, what, what am I going to do? Just go home, be by myself every day? No, you do something. You be part of stuff, participate. Right. Um, but no, yeah, USPSA, I, I like. It's really cool. And I've found myself very desirably challenged by it you know where the the next rung of the ladder is always within reach you know in mm. in in track it's very tempting exactly yeah so you yeah. know in in track and field you know this one i when i was in track and field I, I ran some but i also did shot put and discus and you know when there's like some 250 pound guy you know, I'm over here at, you know, a buck 30, you know, six foot tall at a buck 30. I'm like, there's only so much I can do to throw this iron ball as far as this guy who's almost 300 pounds. You know, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much technique I can put in here. This guy's just going to throw it further than me. So, but in USPSA, um, it's a great balance of... You know, there's there's obviously always an ongoing debate about athleticism in USPSA. 
Um, and it requires some, you know, obviously if you want to be the best in the world, you're probably going to have to be mildly athletic. You can't be out of shape. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I know it's a, it's a very, it's a very good challenge where at no point am I sitting there thinking, well, getting 10% better than I am now, that's definitely not going to be possible. No, that's always possible. 1% better is one is always, I can go get. You give me three hours of dry fire. I'll go get one percent better right now. I'll go get one percent better in in two hours. I'll go increase my skills by one percent. I'll go. I'll go do it. And that's what's that's what's really desirable is you know track and field. You can't you can't always run more. You know you've been on the track for two hours running doing sprints. Your body's like, hey, listen, you you can't keep doing that. You got to stop. You got to eat food. You got to drink water. And you got to sit down. You got to you got to quit. Um, and I used, I used to be into, before I was into shooting, I was into bodybuilding and same thing. There's, there's a very much a limit, right? Uh, if you're not going to do steroids, then it's basically dependent on how much food you can eat, how much time you can spend lifting weights and, uh, your genetics. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, and you really, if you're training hard, man, you really can't train more than two hours a day and still be getting you know, this diminishing returns, right? If you work out for an hour, you're probably getting 70. If you work out hard for an hour, you're probably getting 75% of everything you can get. You work out for two hours, I think you're at 100%. You work out for three hours, I don't think you get anything more than you did out of two hours. Um, right. But in USPSA, ooh, you can dry fire for another 20 minutes and learn a little bit more. Make some skill a little bit more normal for you. Um, so there's always more. And it's and that that next one percent is always there. I feel like uh, agility training is probably the one thing that would help, and and lower body explosion. Yeah, for the sport, because yeah. there is a lot of stopping and starting and changing direction, and if you have that ability, more so than the next guy, if mm -hmm. you guys are otherwise equal then right. that's your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And obviously realistically, you know, it depends on the stage, right? A stand and shoot classifier. Doesn't it, matter. 0%, right? But uh, obviously we've all been to some match where you really had to run around a lot, you know, some huge stage and large distances in between positions. Yeah. Make a big well, difference there. And, and let's look at carry optics nationals. You had, what was a stage 19 oh, yeah. where you had the three diamonds. Oh, I, I shot that one at the club match the following weekend that they had that you could okay. shoot the stages at. Yeah. And uh, I messed it up. I messed it up pretty bad, but I moved real fast. <laughs> but what I was getting at was some people were like, there. it would take me too much time to move from the back to all the way up front. So I have to shoot everything from the back to kind of equalize that. But you also make, the the marksmanship the accuracy part of it the precision part more difficult whereas mm. you know apparently there i wasn't there but apparently jay's was like oh yeah i can do this in so many seconds so he ran to the front and engaged the targets but he knew physically he could do it and shoot yeah. the targets faster than some people just standing there and shooting them so that's where I say, you know, there is that there are times where that physical prowess does play a part. 
because he he minimized the the precision part of it by utilizing his his physical ability. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And then Steve Anderson always says when it, when it comes to talking about physical fitness, Steve Anderson always says that you know being in shape is going to help you be on your feet in the sun all day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> Now, you and I were talking before we went live that you have made your lifestyle now revolves around this. At what point did you make that decision and what was it that was made you go, you know what, this is what I'm doing. This has priority. So that's what I'm doing. Um. Uh, there was the 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 actual changes in my lifestyle, you know, how I spend my weekends and my money and my time and where my mind is throughout the day. That's been a slow, gradual progression towards all being centered around USPSA. Um, but the moment when I decided that I was going to go, that I was going to do the work required to go far in USPSA, was that first time we were out there training with Steve, he said, there's only one thing you have to do to be a national champion. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, you just have to outwork the current national champion. And I said, oh. That's it? <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. You know, I know it's like, it's like that 1%, right? You know, like you can't, you're on the track. You can't always run more. You're in the gym. You can't always lift for another hour. It's not going to get you anything. But, you know, if we're talking about dry firing, you know, for USPSA skills, you can always put in a little bit more. And so I said, that's not impossible. That's just a certain number of minutes and hours and repetitions. Uh... I'll do that. I'll do it. That sounds good. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm on my way towards. That's what I'm working towards. Okay. Uh, now I assume then that your goal in USPSA is be a limited national champion. Um, yes. My just very recently, I kind of learned how the, national team is picked for the world shoot which i guess the next one will be in 2025 um and so apparently i was talking to scott brown at area three and according to him it's very realistic that if i just shoot uspsa nationals and ipsic nationals this year and next year i'll almost i'll certainly get a spot on the team he seemed pretty confident that i would definitely get a spot on the team so that's kind of my that's kind of my, those are my two goals. I'd like to be a national champion and I would like to be on the national team at the world shoot. That would be really cool. Okay. So are you doing anything to focus on those in particular? Or are you just doing the normal, continue the training and, and I'm get there eventually? I'm still too new to be preparing for a specific match. I'm still on just one, okay. I'm still on just one gradual. I always have stuff to be working on. I'm, I'm just constantly working on improving every day. I'm not at a point where my, 
I'm not at a point yet where my training goes up and down, you know, where, oh, I, I took a month off and now I got to spend three weeks training up for this big match. I'm not doing that yet. I'm, I'm still, I'm still pretty new to the sport and I'm still on just one steady Im- improvement track. Now, how did you get Steve on your side? Did you tell him Van Halen was your favorite band or did you buy like 20 pounds of blueberries from Jay Beal? <laughs> <laughs> uh steve anderson i don't know sometimes i think i annoy him other times i think he uh is really excited about me but uh no yeah i don't know i don't know i just he i really i think he said before that i do what he says really well you know i fo- i follow his instructions wholly i don't take out the little pieces that i like the sound of at the moment um but uh, I, I do, I do everything. I do, I do the whole program. I do everything he says. And I mean, really the reason for that is because <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm new. Uh, so he's been, you know, from day one, he's been the guy who I'm like, Hey Steve, like here's, here's a funny example. Um, I didn't know what prepping the trigger was until I think it was like two or three weeks ago. Um, wow. Jay Lees, I was talking to Jay Lees Williams and okay, yeah. I didn't know what, I think it was her who told me, I could be wrong, but I was talking to her or somebody else and somebody were talking about prepping the trigger and I was like, oh wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, I've never done that. So you like, what does that mean? You like take your trigger out and like clean it and lube it so that like it runs really well and consistently for the match and like feels the same on every trigger pull. And they're like, no no idiot they're like it means you pull the trigger back until it meets its little wall so that way you know exactly when it's going to break you know and you can have it break exactly when you want it to and fire the shot exactly when you want to as opposed to doing the whole trigger pull as one i was like and so i went that that was that was that was one of the that was one of the times where i was like hey this is something that would best be practiced in live fire right because i'm pulling a reset trigger every time and so I went and I put a target out there and I was like, let's see about this. And man, I did that. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you prep the trigger, it's much easier to make the gun go off exactly where you want it to. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You just it's have crazy. to be, you know, I've had a few of those times where I'm coming in on the target and it's like, oop, prep too much. Yeah. You Bang. Know, I better, I better, I better put two more on there to make sure yeah. I'm in the right spot. But yeah, I, I remember that was. That was a great learning moment because I didn't know what that was at all. And then I went out to the range and I think I took maybe a hundred rounds and I said, let's see what this, let's see what this is, right? Let's see if this is actually a thing. Let's see what this feels like. And I was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was like, wow, yeah, that's a huge difference. <laughs> that's cool. I, look, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm prefacing my question with I that. Appreciate. Yeah. Well, and that's what I would say. What do you think is the the biggest thing you need to learn as a competitor? Or do you think you even know what that is? Um, as a competitor versus a shooter? Well, and what I mean is I you know, I've 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 eavesdropped on those uh super squads and man, they, they talk like completely different people. You know what I mean? Like, like they talk, they're talking like six feet over my head. I know what they're saying, 
but I would have never thought to think it on my own because they've learned it over time. You know, like, like Nils was, I heard him talking to someone one time he was on the super squad. I forget which nationals now it was. And, uh, cause I shot three in a row. So I forget which one it was either the second or third one, but anyway, they were at, at Talladega and he just made the comment. Now I don't remember exactly how it went, but basically you shoot enough Charlie's you've just shot a mic. So uh, immediately I was like, Oh, I had never considered that concept, but that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Especially shooting, you know, his point was shooting minor. You shoot enough Charlie's you're basically shooting. Now you're shooting mics. You've shot so many Charlie's. Yeah. Like, it didn't take that many because a, a mic yeah. is down 15 points. So it well, would a mic is five. So, but you lose two points every Charlie. Well, a mic so, is, uh, you, you miss out on the five points that you could have scored. So that's, that's five points of all the stage points available down. And then you get, you earn a negative 10, you earn a penalty of the maximum scoring value of the target. Are you talking about a no shoot? No, I'm talking about a mic. A mic is negative 10. So is a no shoot. I'm not sure where we're getting a negative 10 from a mic. You get a, it's a, you get a, it's a score of zero. It's a, you earn zero and you get a right. penalty of negative 10 on top of that for a mic. There shouldn't be a penalty for a mic. In USPSA there is, yeah. On a no shoot there is, you get the, you get the zero for the mic and then you get a negative 10 for the no shoot. You're going to have to check it out, my guy. You're going to have to. You have to check the rules. You've been shooting this whole time. It's it's you get negative. You get a negative. You get a ten point penalty for only having one hit on a target that requires two to fully score. Okay, I have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, is there anybody? We've talked about Steve. Obviously, you've taken multiple classes there. Um, we've talked Travis. That'd be another one to take. That'd be another good class to take. Is there anybody else that you look out there and you go, I wouldn't mind taking a class from him or her? Um, yeah, I've caught some. I've caught some tidbits of stuff that Ben Stoger posts on Instagram, and um, a thing or two that I've heard him say have been kind of handy. Um, he 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 does that thing where he puts the black paster in the middle of the target. And yes. you, aim, you aim for the spot and then, you know, kind of, as everybody knows, right, if you aim for that specific spot in the middle of the alpha, you shoot more alphas than if you're just kind of shooting at the alpha. Right. But uh, that was useful. That's, that's all about like, you know, you learn to, I guess you're supposed to learn to put that dot there with your mind at the center of the alpha and shoot at it. Um, I never really got into doing that. That doesn't mean I don't think that's legit. I think it just takes a lot, a lot of time and practice. But to 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 find the center, to put a spot on the center of the target, you do have to bring the target into focus with your eyes sooner. So in dry fire, if I'm going to find a dot in the center of the target, I have to find the target sooner 
because you know my guns my eyes are there already but my guns on the way and if i'm gonna have enough target focus if i'm gonna have enough visual information coming into my brain from that target like to, to put a dot in the very center of it like i need to really see that target so just kind of the level of visual focus that that brings in uh you know putting a, a dot in the center of the target with your mind that's that's pretty beneficial now i i've been doing that for about three or four years where i actually do it on my dry fire targets i take a i have the peel and stick ones you know yeah that you yeah, can buy and and the the one third and the one sixth and all that but I have gone in and actually drawn a circle, a small circle on every single one of my dry fire targets. Um, so I know when I, when I move my eyes over and look at the target, they automatically get drawn to that point. So when I'm at a, a, a match, that's where they go. Mm -hmm. Have you considered anything like that in dry fire? I, I have a, on a couple of my targets. Yeah. I've got like a dot in the middle that I'll, that I'll aim for. Um, another thing I've been messing around with is because obviously if you were going to shoot the very center of the alpha, it would take a lot more time than it would to just shoot anywhere in the alpha, right? Just like it would take even less time to shoot anywhere in the alpha or the Charlie, right? And so one thing that I've been working on is getting better at calling my shots, which is kind of that's one of the it's one of the things that requires a little bit of live fire um, to be able to, you know, see the sights leave the target and know where that shot went. Uh, and so I've been working on that a lot. And with that, I've been kind of messing around with just the alpha, you know. So if I'm in a mode of dry fire where the goal is to train accuracy, I'll just get a sight picture that's in the alpha and with a lot of target focus with your eyes, I've noticed there's kind of a lot of, there's a lot of surface area in the alpha um, at targets that are less than 20 yards away. That is, there's a lot of surface area in the alpha further than 20 yards. My, my front, my front sight just covers up the whole alpha and it's a little bit more difficult, but under, mm. under 20 yards, um, there's a lot of surface area. So if you can get, if you get enough vision focus and enough target focus, I've found that it's not it's not impossible to be able to say, hey, you know, that was a that was a left alpha, but that left alpha is worth just as much as the center alpha, and uh, I mean, it takes a lot of vision focus. But using the whole surface area of the alpha is something else that I've been trying to kind of mess around with, seeing and processing with my eyes when I'm dry firing. I feel like Ben is a good one because he he shot production for so many years at a very high level. So that's all iron sights. I think Tim Heron is another good one because that's, that's what he shoots is iron sights. Um, he did a lot of, of single stack. Uh, I like to call short stack, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, I'm not calling Tim a short stack. I'm talking, I call single right. stack, short right. stack. Um, but I feel like too, he's another good one that would be, able to teach you know iron sights at distant and close up like what you need to be able to see and how to see it how to acquire it rapidly um, yeah that'd be another good one yeah absolutely and i assume that um what is it uh ipsic is standard i think that's the limited yeah division so i assume that's what you would try to get 
uh, at the world shoot. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm signed up to shoot at the IPSC nationals this year. And that's what I would be shooting at the world shoot. What is your shooting schedule? We talked briefly earlier, uh, again, before we went live, you mentioned you have a match this weekend and then you have area eight. What is your shooting schedule look like for the rest of the year? Um, it's, it's decently busy for the rest of the year. This is my first year. Really? I mean, I shot last year was my first year really com competing in USPSA. Okay. Um, maybe like late 2021 and 2022, but. Um, so last year was your full first full season. Right. Right. I think, okay. I think that in 2021, I shot some club matches and I think the Kentucky, no, maybe I've shot area five three times. I think we shot area five our first year. Um, and then our second year shooting, um, mostly club matches, a couple level twos and we shot area five. And then at the end of last season, I was starting to get more and more into it, and I shot area two. And then this season, I signed up to shoot all the areas and like one or two level two matches. But for the rest of this year, I've got open nationals. I'll be shooting my limited gun in open. Uh, so okay. I've got open, open nationals, iron sight nationals. I've got battle for the north coast this weekend area eight the weekend after that and then i think i'm shooting the alabama sectional and then area two at the very end of the season and then ipsic mm. nats is the weekend after that that's oh, the that's your area two yeah that's the that's all that i have on my schedule right now oh that's all huh <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of travel and a lot of matches yeah i love i love i love the traveling part i really do i love it it's so uh once the first time I the first couple of times I flew with guns I was very stressed out but right. now now uh yeah I, I chill it's relax you know I don't have to I don't have to worry about anything just hanging out on the airplane hanging out at the airport hanging out at the hotel go Old shoot a hat you know yeah. that's a good time go get food with some friends what a great time I love it so I guess your job is flexible enough that you can do all of this yeah, I work, I work at a gym and so I can schedule within reason, I, you know, if I need a Friday off to go shoot or a Friday, Monday off for, you know, a long weekend, I can kind of move my schedule around that. You know, I just don't schedule clients on that day or I've got, there's some other trainers who work there as well. And I can kind of move some of my people onto their schedule uh, and make it work. Uh, very fortunate, very fortunate because my job is, is pretty fun and it's pretty low stress and uh, the flexibility has allowed me to do a lot. So very, very fortunate. Okay. Now, do you expect your schedule next year to be the same thing? Are you going to do all area matches again? I'm probably going to have to keep shooting every area match every year until I win all of them and nationals in the same year. Okay. You know, that's kind of... Because at this rate, I've won five out of six. And... right. I mean, even if I lose, even if I was to not win eight or two, which 
kind of kind of planning on winning both. <laughs> even if even if I was to lose both of those, it's like, hey, you won five out of eight. Still you know, solid. You know what the next rung on the ladder is? Six. Six out of eight. Yep. Eight out of eight. You know, it's always right there. The next thing's always right there. I'll probably it depends. It depends on what I feel like I'm getting out of it because I'm shooting open nationals solely because I would like to, you know, I'm going to try and win nationals this year and I've only ever shot one nationals ever in my life. So I feel like having shot a nationals level match over three days twice in my life would be a beneficial experience to that. So that's, that's why I'm shooting that. But I mean, if I, if I feel at some point like, shooting the matches is not benefiting my ability to win them, then I might, I might have a less ambitious shooting schedule in future years. Yeah. And you know, going back to that whole, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, that national schedule, like the first time I shot it after that, I was like, I'm not shooting that schedule again. So the next year I shot a, uh, I shot PM, AM, PM. Because I'm not a I'm not a fan of shooting right first thing in the morning at eight o'clock. You know what I mean? Right. But you don't know that until you shoot it. But then after the second year, I was like, you know what? No, I would actually prefer the morning. So just having shot the two different schedules allowed me to figure out which one I liked better, why I like them better, what advantages they are for me personally. So I think that like what you're doing, shooting uh, open nationals with your limited gun will only benefit you and allow you to learn more about shooting the three days, how you're going to, you know, working out your own personal schedule. There's a lot to it. There are a lot of details. Yeah. I may, that may be the first match that I ever specifically train for. You know, I was saying earlier how I'm not at a point where I'm, I, I train up for a match because I, I mean, I'm in full training mode all the time right now. Cause I'm, I'm trying to get better because I'm new and I'm trying to not be right. new anymore. And, uh, that match though, I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing that because it's, open in PCC, I'm mm -hmm. guessing there's going to be some difficult targets. And so I'll probably incorporate into my training some extra far targets. Yeah, I would think the same thing. I would think there'd be farther, smaller targets to make yeah. it a little more challenging. I mean, I feel like there's definitely going to be mini poppers at 30 yards throughout the match. I feel like so there I, has to be. So I guess you'll be prepping your trigger. Yeah, it's a good thing I learned. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you, Jay Lee. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it is nice rather than having to do the whole motion. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, even, I mean, I've even heard Christian Seiler talking about that. So he's the only other person I know of that has won all eight area championships and a national championship yeah. in the same year. Yep. Uh, he's the only one. And so even if know. even if I do it, he'll still be the only one who's ever done it in open division. And, and he'll still always be the first. And he'll always be the first. Yeah. 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 So he's kind of paved that road. And now other people are like, hey, if he did hey. it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That dude's a king. Yeah. Yeah. He is 
super impressive. He's young, he's driven, he's focused. He's going to be a hard one to beat for a while. Well, Joey, that's what I've got for questions. Was there anything we touched on that uh, you wanted to clarify or? Well, nothing that really stands out. And I would, I would stay to shoot the breeze more, but um, I've got to, uh, my girlfriend gets off work here in just a little bit and uh, we've got to pack and I got to hit the road because I shoot tomorrow morning at Battle for the North Coast. And that's a, that's a five hour drive. So uh i gotta get some stuff packed up and ready to go for the weekend but um yeah yeah i really appreciate you having me on man appreciate it thanks for coming on i appreciate it. it's great conversation and good luck thank you thank you and uh to anybody who so to to fun you asked about my schedule right my shooting schedule if my work is flexible enough to allow that uh well my budget also uh (laughs) needs to be flexible enough to allow that and so yeah i started uh processing brass on the side so you mentioned action brass co there at the beginning that's my that's my side hustle so if anybody needs anybody needs cleaned roll sized and cleaned or fully processed meaning you know deprimed swaged resized roll sized washed and polished brass and go to actionbrassco.com or Check out our Instagram page, Action Brasco. Uh, get your get your brass there. We uh, we support the shooting sports big time. So ten percent of all of our profits go not not as sponsorships for matches, but as cash checks directly to clubs that host USPSA matches for US specifically for USPSA facilities. So that's our way of that's our way of supporting. We got pretty competitive prices. We got good product, and you're supporting the shooting sports. So go buy your brass there. I will put a link in the show notes so they can go there. Oh, perfect. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, man. All right. Take care, Joey. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.